Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Goldseth. It is time to check out the January issue of The Lutheran Witness. If you haven't received it yet, it should be there. It should be in your mailbox very soon. Uh, check it out and uh, check out the uh, one of the great articles in it near the front of this month's issue of The Lutheran Witness, A Chaste and Decent Life by the Reverend Dr. Joel Bierman, Professor of Systematic Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Bierman, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Good to be with you guys. So this month, uh, you have written a, a wonderful article in The Lutheran Witness, A Chaste and Decent Life. And you start us off with, uh, in your article, a discussion about virtues. How do we regard virtues in modern society? Well, one of the problems I perceive is that virtues are tend to be defined according to the culture. And so culture decides what is virtuous. But if you look at it scripturally and even from the classical understanding of virtue, virtues weren't defined by us. They're defined um, as built into the very nature of what it means to be human. And so classically understood, a virtue is what lines us up with what it means for us to be fully human, to be what we're created to be. In the modern culture we live in, virtues pretty much are the things that make you a decent person that fits into society. And so the list of virtues that a modern person might have, I would argue, would be quite different from what a Christian would have or even a classical Greek might have had. Are all of these virtues created equally uh, in the eyes of, of the church or in the eyes of the world? Well, no, not necessarily. And if we want to think about the virtues in the sense of the church's virtues, these would be the kind of skills and these abilities and these um, marks of our character that actually define what it looks like when a person is living according to God's purposes and doing what he was put here to do. And so some of the virtues rise higher than others as sort of being encapsulating of the wholeness of the person and of what they're intended to be and what God desires for them to be. How is chastity regarded among these these virtues? Well, that's what's really interesting, I think at least, is chastity in our contemporary world is rarely seen as a, a virtue of a noble person or that somebody should be striving for. It's more, more often than not these days seen as sort of a relic of a bygone day or maybe a, a quaint idea or something that might be nice for some people, but simply isn't realistic for most people because the whole idea of chastity is controlling your body and bringing your, especially your sexual desires into line with God's purposes and using your whole self, including your sexual self as God would desire it, not as a means simply of pleasure, but as a means of accomplishing God's purpose in the world and seeing chastity then as a person who has his sexual life under control and is living in a way that honors God that's simply not valued in our culture anymore. I would argue that in the church, we should highly value this because chastity is about so much more than just not having sex until you get married. It's so much more. It's really about being the, a whole person and having your whole self in line with God's purposes, including your sexual self. And so sexuality is of importance to the church and chastity is of importance to the church and chastity as a virtue is a really noble thing that we should be encouraging in people and teaching people what that means the wholeness of it so that they can live these full rich lives that god intended so why are we reluctant to one to even use the word chastity but e even to 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 discuss this as a virtue even as the church why are we 
reluctant to to talk about it and to teach about it. Yeah, there's there's a kind of an embarrassment that comes with it. And I think it really is just a kind of matter of cultural peer pressure. We we feel the pressure from the culture around us. We we know how sex is treated on in the wider culture, from sitcoms to movies to music to even politics. Just how sexuality is seen, it, it's come to the point now where sexuality is seen basically as an inherent right sort of like breathing or eating. You just got to have it and everybody can do it however they want, as long as you're not hurting anybody else. And that's what has become accepted. Whereas we in the church would see sexuality as an integral part of our humanity that needs to be lived in sync with God's purposes. And it has a right place in the context of marriage. And then outside of marriage, it's not appropriate to be actively living a sexual life in the sense of, you know, having sexual relationships with other people, but you're always going to be a sexual being using your sexuality in ways that honor God, even as a single person. And we get embarrassed, I think, in the wider culture because our standard is simply so far out of step with the world's understanding. And we get a little bit squeamish about taking a strong stand and saying, no, sex belongs in the context of marriage period. Anything beyond that is an aberration from God's plan is to be rejected and is not to be allowed, much less encouraged. And I and I think that is a big part of it. We worry that if we take a strong stand, we're going to hurt our mission outreach to others. We worry that if we take a strong stand, we're going to we're going to alienate our own young people. We worry that if we take a strong stand, we're going to look weird in the eyes of the world and no one's going to want to be part of the church. And so we worry over much about what that actual virtue would look like. And we, we back off. I'm just, I, I think that's kind of the blunt answer is we're just afraid to take it seriously. What is that relationship between chastity and marriage then? Because this does revolve around, around the whole person and the use of our sexual selves. Yeah. Well, marriage is this beautiful thing that God created for human beings. And if you look at the whole idea of man being created in the Garden of, you know, in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the account of the creation and the fall of man, you, you get a very strong, clear picture of God's intention for, for man and for woman. And his intention for humankind is that they are together in this relationship called marriage. This is, this is how God put things together. Now, there is always the reality of singleness, which was recognized from earliest times, was recognized by the early church, and is still recognized by the church, and as a good and a right thing. But our sexuality is always always lived in the context of marriage. In other words, the context of man and woman together as God intended. So if I am married, my sexuality has a healthy and right expression in the context of marriage as it should. If I'm not married, I express my sexuality because I'm still a male or still a female. That's how God made me. I still think like a man, still think like a woman, act and, you know, emote like either sex that I have been created. And yet I live that reality in the context of singleness. In other words, I don't have a physical relationship where I consummate those sexual desires, but that sexuality of my being still shows through. I simply live it in the context of marriage. I'm not in marriage. And so therefore I live waiting for that marriage opportunity or honoring marriage by not engaging in sexual activity outside the bond of marriage. So I don't stop being a sexual being. I just use my sexuality in appropriate ways. There's an appropriate way for single people and an appropriate way for married people. Why does it matter how we speak about chastity, uh, particularly when it comes to children and youth? How, why does it matter how we speak about chastity today? 
Yeah, I think that's that's an important part of what I was trying to get across maybe in the article as well, is I think in the church we've really done a disservice to the significance of this idea of chastity. Chastity has always been regarded as one of the cardinal virtues, one of the key things that, uh, or one that we call the contrarian virtues that go over against the seven deadly sins. So if lust is one of the deadly sins, then chastity is one of the virtues. And chastity maps very closely to temperance, that idea of self-control and wholeness. And the reason I think we do a disservice on teaching chastity is we too often reduce it down to you can't have sex until you're married. That's the end of it. And it just becomes this really strong negative to the young people. And we just kind of, you know, don't have sex outside of marriage. That's it. That's it. And we make it such a, a burden instead of teaching that chastity means that you have yourself in under control. You're living in the hope of God's promise, you're living, realizing God has made you for something more than just pleasure or self-expression through your, through your sexual activity. You are made to honor God by serving those around you. You're made to be a full person in your whole being body, soul, and spirit, your, your sexuality included. And so we need to teach, I think, a richer picture of what chastity is and what it can be and make it a virtue that is really worthwhile and one that's honorable and one that brings glory to God and serves other people really well. We, we don't have, I don't think, enough courage in the church to, to highlight chastity as a core virtue worthy of pursuit instead of just a, a horrible negation that makes your teen years really difficult. <laughs> How do we equip young people then uh, in, in our church and in our relationships with our neighbors? How do we equip them with this mindset that this is a celebration of God's creation? That's a great question. And I think you, we, we equip them by going back to the scriptural teaching on sexuality. The Bible says more about marriage and about men and women than many, many people realize. And it's clear from scripture, it's clear from the church's teaching that sex is not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. It's not a shameful thing. It is a good gift from God to be celebrated in the context of marriage. And then that means that my sexuality, my maleness, my woman's femaleness is part of who she is, part of who I am, part of who he is as a man. And that is something that we should be exploring and celebrating and seeing as a good and a positive thing and learning to use that sexual expression in ways that are bringing um, glory to God and service to others. So it, it needs to start, I think, at all ages, from young children, helping them see their, their sexual difference from others and what that means and learning to see it as a positive thing, not an embarrassing thing, but as a positive, good thing to be used as God intended and always bringing back to God's gift, God's gift, what God intended and how we should be using this God's way. With just about a minute left, any advice, particularly, I, I'm thinking of this as a parent myself, mm -hmm. um, anything you'd point us to as parents as maybe a, a resource or something that would, um, or where we can go with questions on how to, how to have uh, healthy and faithful conversations with our children about uh, chastity? Yeah, the, the church has, has no um, lack of resources on this sort of thing. Lots of stuff has been produced. I think maybe parents need to get the courage to have conversations more freely with their with their children about these things without always resorting to a book like, um, okay, let's read this book or here, read this. Uh, it, it helps to have an open kind of conversation with your children like you do about other topics. You talk to them openly about all kinds of things. You should be having open conversations about sexuality from childhood, from toddlers all the way through teen years. Keep that conversation open. Even if people think it's awkward, it should be talked about. 
Check out A Chaste and Decent Life in the Lutheran Witness January 2021 edition. The Reverend Dr. Joel Bierman, Professor of Systematic Theology at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. Dr. Bierman, thanks for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. My pleasure. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.